Hey, thanks for clicking on or listening to watching wherever you're consuming this. Another episode of the Reforge Roundtable, the weekly podcast where we break down all the latest and greatest gaming news. Every Friday, we go live on Reforge Gaming on YouTube at 2 p.m. Eastern. So if you're consuming this as a past broadcast or an audio-only episode, we would love to have you come join us for the conversation. Full roundtable, back in full swing. Mike got his voice back. Glad to have you back. 30 and still gaming. Brian there in the middle, Ginger Prime. Always remember to check out these fine gentlemen content. Mike does a podcast on Thursday nights. Ginger's doing all kind of things. He has 18 channels now. Yep, and yep. he's constantly <laughs> uploading. 22 kids and who knows, and counting. I don't know. It's like that, it's yeah. like that old skit from uh, In Living Color back in the day. I got 15 jobs, man. Here at the, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I got 15 Just jobs. Always has like, another channel. Got a uh, hand in some pie somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. And this week, we've got some good topics for you. Gamescom is coming to an end, and there weren't any huge standouts, which Mike kind of has a subject on that. Game delays, games that just decided to kind of pull out of Gamescom. Is that concerning or worrisome for all the things that have gotten bumped to next year? Also, seems to be a lot of games trying to still come out in 2022 and then ginger would like Mm -hmm. to talk about the dune mmo and maybe drop some hints about what's amazon doing they were rumored to buy ea that's been debunked but is it actually debunked we don't know uh we'll be breaking some of that down and then i want to kick the show off with the discussion about exclusivity because i had to cut my stream short a little bit yesterday and uh they were kind of debating with me in the chat about the Phil Spencer commentary surrounding there'll be fewer and fewer console exclusives going forward. Basically, you know, exclusivity will be a thing of the past or way less prevalent in the future where you need a particular piece of plastic to play a game. I got pushback. I got pushback on it. You, you so. will from you will from people who were okay. who are still stuck in the 2000s. Like you don't say. <laughs> Oh, shocker that people are like, no, my console is my identity. It's like, well, all right, buddy, come on over to the, to the good side. Yeah, <laughs> We're, yeah. Just play games, man. Well, that I want to kick things off with that, and then we'll, we'll move through the other topics. So okay. if you're watching this, guys, if you're in the live audience, it's super helpful to smash the like button because we are live on YouTube, and that is awesome when you do that. So 50 more likes will get us to a nice little start. A lot of you were with us this morning covering the ps5 price hike and covering the indie showcase we appreciate you still hanging with us and continuing to watch so the thing that i got pushed back on and i'm curious what you guys think of his comments i do think he was doing two things primarily which number one is he's trying to grease the wheels for this acquisition he wants to make it look like listen our goal is not to constrict the market we're we're going to see less and less exclusives going forward he also seemed to be talking about you know, multiplayer games and cross-play. And many people were saying, yeah. you're still going to see a ton of single-player exclusives going forward. These people have Starfield in mind, Elder Scrolls Six. Then obviously, if you look on the other side of the fence, you got properties like God of War and Spider-Man and Wolverine way out there on the horizon. And I actually said, I think the strategy at Microsoft is changing and the Blizzard Activision deal is the catalyst for that change. And I even think there's a possibility we will see Starfield on the PlayStation 5 a year after launch because the PlayStation 5 market saturation is so good and they have an economy of spending that that platform buys games. 
and mm-hmm. the Microsoft platform is all about Game Pass. We even saw a cool Samsung presentation during Gamescom where they were showing how you could play Game Pass right through your television on the cloud. Funny enough, they allowed, during an official broadcast on the Xbox channel, they showed them doing this, and they showed that it was compatible with an Xbox controller and a DualSense controller, which I yeah. thought was pretty big. So, what do you guys think about this? Let's start with Mike. Mike, is Microsoft sort of starting the beginnings and the murmurings of a pretty big shift in strategy since they're going to own so much property very soon? Or are a lot of these titles eventually going to be Microsoft only? Where do you see this landing? When people say exclusive, like exclusive, Phil's not looking at just Xbox, right? Automatically, all the games, Starfield, Halo, they're PC and Xbox, right? So that knocks it out of the park right there already that it's not exclusive so when even if it's starfield is only for xbox it's on pc as well right mm-hmm. going forward all that stuff is on two separate systems pc and xbox and then you have multiple xboxes uh, where they get to play as well now as far as playstation goes yes they are going to have their single player exclusives that are going to go forward but they are also on pc right they're they're starting the process of moving god of war and all of them to pc as well so phil's words saying that there's going to be less exclusives is true right because those games are going to multiple consoles if you want to count a, a pc as a console but it's a system right so that right there it, it's not false it's not hyperbole it's not it, it's it's facts that that's what's going to happen lots of things are going to happen where and and then there's look at gamescom there's hundreds and hundreds of games that are coming out and those are all like indie games steam type games are all in the wheelhouse of game pass and that is what microsoft is pushing they don't care about exclusives they care about games that are on Game Pass, more things on Game Pass. They're selling a service. That's why they're going to television sets. That's why they're going to mobile phones, 3.5 billion devices. So Phil saying that exclusives is going to be less and less. Of course they are, because for every one God of War that's exclusive, if it's only on PlayStation, there's literally hundreds of games coming out that are on Steam, that are on Xbox, they're on Game Pass. So yeah, that's, that's what it means. So before Ginger goes, do you think that he doesn't have PlayStation in mind at all, like with respect to all the property they're about to own. Like Call of Duty is kind of one of the big question marks, and they've kind of said, "Listen, Call of Duty is not getting going to go exclusive to the Xbox ecosystem because it wouldn't be profitable to no longer have it on PlayStation." But what do you think about the rest of the property? What about Diablo? What about World of Warcraft? What about Starfield, Elder Scrolls? Anything else Bethesda kicks out? Fallout Five? Do do you see those being on PlayStation? Call of Duty, yes, obviously, it's 30 million copies sold, and three-quarters of that's going to be on PlayStation, right? You know what I mean? So they're, they're, they're keeping that on PlayStation. As far as Phil said this in the past, individual games are going to be individually chosen to, to be on certain things, right? So, for instance, let's just say World of Warcraft decides they're going to make a port and it's going to come to console. Mm-hmm. Do you really think that Xbox, especially if they, once the Activision deal goes through, that they want to give playstation where they have xbox game pass and that would fit perfectly onto xbox game pass world of warcraft where you're paying a monthly subscription to play their mmo on their console either on pc or on x uh, on xbox so i think individually i can see certain games going forward like uh if let's just say madden got picked up by by uh microsoft 
they're not going to stop putting it on PlayStation, right? There's a multitude of, of fans that want to play it on PlayStation and Xbox and PC and whatnot. So that game would go on all platforms. But a game, I don't know, like Starfield, might only sit on Xbox for a limited time. And then down the road, once the they've they've sucked all the the juices out of it right where they get the main sales first and it's on pc it's on xbox people are getting game pass for it like you said then maybe nine months 12 months down the road they'll go hey you know what guess what starfield's coming to playstation and then playstation's like ah see you know I, I i could see that happening but i think it's an individual basis on each game that's coming out and based on what that type of game is okay what do you think ginger well, I think obviously we've already entered into the era of timed exclusives, and essentially I think that makes it, it, it's a fine business model having that natural delay baked into it. But to limit a game to a piece of plastic is like 2000. It's like it is, uh, it is two generations ago thinking. And what I mean to say by that is that when we start actually looking more at the global economic scale, Console wars only matter if you're in Japan and if you're in the United States and maybe Europe. But for the markets that are coming online, they aren't coming online with any nostalgia, built-in, brand loyalty, any of this nonsense. They're all coming online mobile. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's all about like, if you look at a mobile phone, you all services, all devices, all games, like they're all there. Like it's, you're not sitting here like, Oh, I have a Android. I cannot play this this one game. Like that is not what a billions of people. We're not talking about a small amount. Like, oh, hey, we got you know this. We're adding in this one small island in the middle of the Pacific. Uh, now that they're coming online, yeah, no, 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 we're talking billions and billions of gamers, especially when you look at Japan and India, uh, representing a massive market, emerging market. Uh, coming online, uh, you know, obviously for the first time. And so they kind of missed out on all that. And when you factor that in, going to them and saying like, you have to own this piece of plastic is like, that is like shooting your sales in the foot, hardcore shooting yourself in the foot, whether it's a multiplayer game or even a single player franchise. And at the end of the day, you're seeing everybody kind of wake up to this. PlayStation came into this generation hard with this line of, we believe in console generations, we believe in exclusives. And then they're like, holy crap, we called it wrong. And they've been slowly making changes over this. And yes, they've got they've got market share and that's great. They've, if you want a PlayStation, go buy a PlayStation. If you want an Xbox, go buy an Xbox. Like, But those games all exist on a PC. So I think that actually gives gamers more power, more choice when it comes down to it. Like me buying a game on PlayStation Everybody wins. Like nobody's losing in that in that in that mindset. Same thing if I buy a game on Xbox or like if games are coming out and players can choose where they play them, all the better. Especially in the age of crossplay, cross save, where again, like if we were all became friends in the middle of this generation and you had a PlayStation and you had an Xbox and we can't play together, like that you won't see that again. And any game that does that is a game that is destined to fail because we're just going to stick to where we can play. So that, that's what I think. Yeah. Like, will we see Starfield on PlayStation? We absolutely should. It's not a question of will we, we should demand that whether like I, I'm an Xbox guy. I have, I don't have a PlayStation, but I want Halo on PlayStation. I think Halo on PlayStation benefits Halo and that it benefits the people who are fans of that game. You know, it's like, why are we sitting here shooting ourselves in the foot? I think Halo's decline 
outside of like certain decisions itself, but also in when you directly compare that to Call of Duty, Call of Duty's everywhere, right? Like, why would we go and just have to go and segment ourselves to Halo? Halo versus Call of Duty, and it's interesting they'll all be under the same owner now, is the perfect example of why you shouldn't sit here and say like this franchise is exclusive. If you want to delay it, all right, like I'm, I'm not going to fault you for a time delay because I guess you want to, you know, you still want to sell the piece of plastic you're manufacturing. But why are people obsessed with Call of Duty? At one point it was Halo, but it became Call of Duty was everywhere. And that's the perfect, I think, example of what I'm trying to say. Well, real quick on, on top of that, but what Microsoft is trying to do with Game Pass, they're literally trying to get it on every single device possible. Mm -hmm. If they come out with a little dongle that it's like Google Chrome that you can plug in or a fire stick that you can plug into any television. Yep. They don't care if you're playing on PlayStation, if you own a PlayStation. They're trying to make it affordable where, let's say a, a, a dongle comes out, this and a, and, a, and a controller for Microsoft, right? Mm -hmm. hundred bucks. Yeah. $100 and you get three months of Game Pass, right? They they knock out the other other console competition, right? This is why I've, I've said for years, since 2008, 2017, when they started Game Pass, I said, they're not even playing the same game anymore, right? They're out of the ballpark. They're, they're, Phil Spencer said, we're not worried about PlayStation. We're worried about Amazon. We're worried about yeah. Google. I've said in the past before, this is where they're positioning themselves. So when he says the, the plastic box, he doesn't want a box. He doesn't want anything. He just, he wants, if it's, I know someone's gonna say, well, cloud streaming is not powerful enough yet. Yet, uh, yet, yet. Not but, even yet, not even yet. Like you in certain yeah. in certain parts of this world, like it. For sure, yeah, but four years fun. ago, yeah. just four years ago though, it didn't exist, right? And now look at it. And then exponentially it gets faster and better, right? And of course, if you're playing multiplayer first person shooters, it's gonna be boggy down and, and, and laggy. But if you're playing single player games, that wheelhouse that Xbox wants to put with these independent games and stuff like that, it's that sweet spot right there for you. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have to think too with cloud gaming, the people that something like that would appeal to, like if somebody's going to use their Samsung TV and install the Game Pass app and sign up brand new, or they buy a dongle, like you're saying, for like 100 bucks. I don't even know if the latency would bother them that much for the types well, of games they'd be playing. Obviously, if they're right. playing a quick twitch shooter or something and they'd, they'd be in tune to it. But if they're getting it and they want to play a, like look at what game pass offers you know 90 percent of the time they're fun little indie titles they almost feel like the type of games that a more casual gamer would be drawn to maybe even they, they they're not mobile games in quality but they have that feeling of oh i can sit down and play this for a little bit solve a couple puzzles and put it away so I do think that will play a significant part in that push that we all know Microsoft's going to do. They are pushing away from saying, buy this three to $500 piece of plastic. It's, no, it just install the app on your phone, install the app on your television. Yep. And this leads people to think that Microsoft's going to try to get Game Pass on the PlayStation and the Nintendo, and I just think that will never happen. Like, ginger saying you know get halo on playstation i think there are certain things that will remain sacred i don't see those barriers getting demolished for a handful of reasons i i don't know if we're ever going to live in a world where god of war is on the xbox or you know halo's on the playstation or game Pass is on the playstation because they all have their subscription services that they want to push and it would be really weird to have the competitor subscription service like sitting right there on the same box where you know they're going to get way less money. They would get like a small slice of the royalty share on a Game Pass subscription. 
And that just... There are certain bridges that I don't think ever will be built, but I do think Phil Spencer's commentary tells me Microsoft is changing their strategy around this and thinking more of games as software, and you put software everywhere if you're a software seller. Right, yeah, well, that's what that's Microsoft did at a core, right? Windows say, is always yeah. is always everywhere. That's where when you compare it to Mac, which is hardware exclusive, there are benefits to that, right? Like to from a technical perspective, but I, I see chat saying like it's you know it's not ideal or it isn't realistic. But it is. It's happening. It's already happened. It's continuing to happen. But beyond what's happening, I, I think gamers need to advocate for this. I think we need to be vocal about it because it thing I d- it, you know Spider-Man on PC is that better is that is that better for gamers? Yes. Is it better for Sony? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like there I have not yet seen anybody able to convince me that Spider-Man on PC is detrimental to right anybody. That Spider-Man's the worst game because it's on PC now. Like no, no it's not. It's the same great game, but now right. more people can play it. Right. And so it's that there is this mindset that is going to take time and i think that's a lot of what i've heard phil spencer deal with and and communicate it's there is an education and a training because there is a natural kickback there are teams there is a tribalism that is built into gaming naturally through how it evolved and crashed and was reborn as a toy and has evolved into kind of mainstream pieces right there's a lot of people have a lot maybe wrapped up and then you know the internet will will internet but beyond that it's like no i think that gaming should be everywhere for everyone and people could play their services wherever imagine being subscribed to netflix and not being able to watch it on your samsung tv you got to have an lg tv like that if you tried that that would be ridiculous in fact netflix wouldn't be upset upset i hope ultimately when it comes down to it we're talking leverage like does microsoft have leverage yes will they be able to use that leverage to get xbox you know to uh, game pass on on playstation i don't know that's going to be PlayStation's call. That that's the, the right they have the right to make that call yes or no. But it would be a really great trade off to say, hey, you want Game Pass over here? Let's have PlayStation Plus over here. Let's let you, as a gamer, decide if you want an Xbox controller or a PlayStation controller. The console should just support them both. PC already does. And ultimately, like I think I'm always just going to advocate for more gamer choice, even if it's unrealistic gamer choice today things change if we're vocal and also communicate with our wallets in that in that direction if god of war came on xbox even if i was intending to play it i would purchase it because i believe in that future and i think again especially when it comes to multiplayer games when it comes to these games especially games as a service which is where sony wants to go you're 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 buckling yourself down unnecessarily like god you know sea of thieves should be on needs to come to playstation i i I just think that gamers should have the absolute choice when it comes to where they want to play. If they want to play on PlayStation, great. If they want to play on Xbox, great. I don't, it, it shouldn't matter to me. Why would I defend that? <laughs> no one's paying me to do that. <laughs> before, Mike, before Mike goes, I, I want to push in on this because I want Ginger to right. reply to it. You're, some of the games you're citing, I would argue they turned out as well as they did because they were built for one platform, one ecosystem and they needed to be excellent because they were going to be a first-party title, and then they later are getting kicked to PC. Do you think there would be a potential value degradation if out of the box they were making these games multi-platform instead of seeing it as integral to the identity of a platform and then later kicking it to other platforms? Do you understand the question that I'm asking? Like, Do you yeah, see that being a problem? That 
I've heard that uh, as an argument, and it's a decent argument in terms of that we made these games as showpieces to sell the console. But imagine those still being showpieces to sell your brand and your service. I don't believe there would actually be any detrimental because that, I think, argument actually devalues the passion behind the people actually making the game. So if you said, do you think that you know, having your game on multiple places is going to take the passion away from the devs making the game itself? No, absolutely not. Would it change how funding is structured? It's possible. That's why I still believe that the timed exclusive is going to be the way for single player games. For multiplayer games, you're screwing your game if you don't put it everywhere. Like, sure. it's not going to get the adoption that it needs because guess, because that also assumes that people aren't competing, right? If we're going to play a multiplayer game and we can only play it on PlayStation, we will go back to whatever game we were playing before or whatever game already supports it. Multiverses is a great example of this. Crossplay, cross save, wherever. Why would I go play Smash? I, I don't, the roster isn't strong enough for the convenience and gamers highly value convenience. And if they think they do, they, you know, if they think they don't, like, I'd ask you, why are you watching this on YouTube? How much of a factor do you think Abe's question in chat plays a role? Because I was going to say this. Creating a game for a single piece of hardware makes development easier. And I, I would wager a guess that actually helps with bandwidth innovation in creating a game. Right. But then that brings us right back to the cloud. Like bringing that streaming process to these devices means you're still creating it for one piece of hardware. And then you're just opting in. All Sony has to do to allow Game Pass on PlayStation is stop blocking it in the browser. Xbox allows for Stadia, GeForce Now, uh, PlayStation Now in today, like right now. And yes, we're talking like cloud gaming probably still needs more, you know, like more technology, more, yeah. more time. But again, let's jump 10 years in the future. Like this argument in and of itself is like, there's you're only developing it from one piece of hardware. It's in the cloud. It's already handled. So it's not, I don't think there's going to be a technical issue, but we have seen technical problems with PC ports. We have like that. That is a, re a reality that I do not want to sit here and say that no, it's all smooth. You just hit. There's no right click export to Xbox button. You know, <laughs> like you know. So that does not that does that does not how it works. But in terms of cloud gaming, that's essentially where that becomes the thing. You you literally are building it for one, and hardware is agnostic, and you stream that you stream it and you call it a day. And if you want more of the premiere experience, imagine that though, right? Let's bring this all three, you know, full circle. would love to get y'all's thoughts on this. Okay, cloud is everywhere. You can play it on streaming on your Xbox, PlayStation, nobody cares. But you want the premium high fidelity, right. best experiences on PlayStation. And that's, I think, where you see that go. I think you see the, the limitations taken off of streaming and then legitimately, like, you want that 240 frames a second? You want that PlayStation 6 experience for this game holy freaking crap but then for the majority of gamers who are like i can't afford the 600 right. 700 dollars i'll just pay the 15 dollars a month and play you know and have a you know a, a 60 frames a second experience oh no <laughs> you know right well they do that already with with television sets right you're, you're like well i gotta get this monitor because the frame rate's better or the television set has it's 8k right i mean technically that's what they do with the with the content mm -hmm. now you you get the 4k television but for two thousand dollars more you can get that 6k right yeah. you know what i mean so mm -hmm. that's that's the way that the, the streaming does now even with um with stadia i know people don't play stadia and stadia is still around but stadia you pay for the higher fidelity of of the of the premiere yeah. part stadia from a technological perspective is the best experience for streaming yeah. uh they just struggle google Terrible business model. model i have no idea what the F Google is thinking 
And that transitions well into Amazon is on fire right now, like in a good way. Like, I don't think people really fully understand what Amazon's gearing up for. And uh, I think it's going to I think it's going to be really interesting to see if it ends up being a success. Well, take us there, because I, I think that's enough on the, the Xbox okay. exclusives in the future. Just kind of uh, walk us into this 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 room, this valley, this potential future with Amazon. You got the Dune MMO. Where where we where we going, Ginger? So for a while now, I have been continually questioning why in the heck is Amazon leaning so strong into MMORPGs and to catch everybody up to speed. Whether you think New World is a success or not, it's an incredible success. They are very happy with it. Ultimately, it's still, as with any MMO, needs plenty of work. It's, you know, I continue to advocate if you haven't played in a while, you're going to freaking love it. Like it's, it's only getting better. And we play every Friday nights. If you're looking for people to play with, that's my plug. But beyond New World, you have the Dune MMO. Now it's not associated with Amazon, but this is still an MMO conversation because I think there's a reason why Amazon's leaning heavily into MMORPGs. To catch everybody up to speed, Dune MMO Open World Survival announced at Gamescom. Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, whether it's going to be a good game or a bad game, we really don't know yet. It's going to be something that, that steps in and evolves. But I think it's an interesting franchise to connect into that survival-based MMORPG. So I think, A, when you look at like MMORPGs, one of the things that benefit they benefit from is nostalgia so having that's going to bring in people who are fans of dune they can come check it out beyond that one second guys uh beyond that you still have uh the survival in the open world it's gonna be interesting to see how that that plays out so th this is something like once i saw the trailer i was like it's on my wish list I'm, I'm gonna follow it i hope that it's great i always root for great mmos but in my opinion mmos are going to struggle in their initial you know first two years at least but that's just the way of it. But then you have uh, another MMO that's got delayed to next year called Throne of Liberty. Uh, this is what you started out as kind of a sequel to uh, Lineage, um, but it has been uh, like upgraded and evolved. Uh, rumors are Amazon's going to be publishing that one. Uh, you have Amazon working on a futuristic MMORPG. You have Amazon that was once working on the Lord of the Rings MMORPG until Tencent bought the developer they were partnered with on that one. They still technically, I guess, own the license, maybe. I know that we saw Embracer Group buy up some rights uh, over the course of the last week, so maybe they don't or do. Either way, one of the two things. We know they've got New World. They're building their own. They've already got Lost Ark. They might be publishing uh, the uh, Throne of Liberty. My also current theory is that they might be publishing uh, Blue Protocol once we start getting more information on that down the road. And so ultimately, you start to see them collecting these MMORPGs. With the rumors of them purchasing EA, it just makes me go and start to lean in more and more that while we won't see a one subscription per MMO, I think they're really pushing into Prime Gaming to start setting it up to try and somewhat compete with uh, Game Pass as a degree. So they have Prime Gaming. That's your free Twitch sub now. That's your free like different perks within certain games, etc. Um, the free games, etc. They got Luma as their quote unquote cloud platform that's eventually you know planning on competing with. Uh, you know, uh, the Stadia and with uh, xCloud. But I think essentially they're building up their games as a service, like their their prime offering as a way of trying to sit, bolster an idea. Maybe they start charging for that for for more. Uh, maybe they continue to include it with just overall Amazon Prime. Do they try to build it out as its own independent dedicated service? I, I think so. I think they're they are really on the warpath, on the move, and they're starting it in an interesting way with MMOs which traditionally have been like a subscription per, 
But if they were sitting here saying like, hey, you get 10 MMOs with one Prime subscription, like that's a hell of a deal. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Lono. You've been quiet for a while. Yeah, I, I definitely think Amazon's trying to aggressively get into the space because of how they've how they've handled just the viewership, right? I think they understand that when there's a streaming element, they really want to funnel that viewership. I know they did it with New World. They did it with Lost Ark. Sadly, as a full-time YouTube streamer, that means I can't really touch their property for very long because they they just suck all the relevancy out of the live room because they want everybody going over to Purple, which makes sense. I mean, Purple's yeah. not where they wanted. It's never really been where they wanted it, so I get them trying to funnel viewership over there. I would still argue that a part of that still is also responsibility of YouTube because YouTube doesn't yet even offer anything like it. So it's not like those games only have those sure. features on Twitch. It's like YouTube doesn't have those features at all. And if yeah. YouTube does add features like that and then yet they then they still do it 100% with you. But right now it's like, well, no one else is doing it. Anyway, yeah, you, YouTube did drops with Overwatch, but I 100% agree. YouTube's lack of aggression in the streaming space is incredibly irritating given the budget that they have. It's like Disney cranking out a really bad television show, <laughs> Obi-Wan. Like, where's the writing? Where's the budget? Why did you hire such Bush League directors and screenwriters? You're Disney, right? I look at YouTube and Google and think the same thing. Like, what on earth are you guys doing? You're dragging your feet here. Let's get more aggressive. I don't know if Amazon's ever going to play nice with their competitor, though, and say, yeah, here you go, YouTube. Let's get some drops over there. You'll get, you know, great viewership and ad revenue from it. I think they like funneling the viewership over to the Purple platform. The Purple platform lives and dies on live viewership. This has been talked about by, you know, analysts and experts up one side, down the other. Very over-monetized platform. So it makes sense that, you know, Amazon has a vested interest in getting tons of eyeballs over there anytime that they can. Now, if I take that hat off and I don't think like a content creator and I think like a gamer, I would say Amazon's done an okay job so far. They've got some stinkers in the, in the backlog. They're in the cemetery now, right? They're dead, but new world. All right. I'll argue they got somebody on base. I don't, I don't think they got the, they didn't get the home run. I think they got, they got a batter on base. It's a, it's a good game. They got the absolute foundational basics right. Super pleasant game to be in. And it has the potential to slowly climb out of the water and and be a good-sized MMO. I actually think there's potential there for New World. And then Lost Ark is kind of undeniable. Super popular game. Great great player base numbers all the time. I'm sure they're making tons of money. that, that 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 was a really, really grand slam there were criticisms and complaints early on but that i mean it's lost art that thing's probably printing money for him so i would say it's moving in the right direction they went from launching games that are dead to launching a game that's okay to launching a very successful game so the needle's moving in the right direction so i don't i don't know if this buying ea thing though is going to happen it seems to be very quickly debunked but now people are acting like it still has legs and still is a potential reality maybe somebody blew blew the load a little early you know whoops yeah they're in talks but there's no there's no agreement yet because a lot of people have been waiting to see who's going to scoop up ea there it just seems to be like an assumed thing that somebody's buying ea at some point when uh, they and, telegraph that they're like actively trying to be sold and some you know like contracts are starting to be drawn up and things kind of fell apart with like comcast or something like that i forgot who it was but it was like that was just weird with that aspect, it's like, that's, that's a signal. And, you know, I don't know if my, like, I was like, man, is that, is Microsoft going to get Activision and EA or 
is Sony going to step in? But I was like, honestly, I think if Amazon wants to really step into the gaming space, they need to step in with a lot of nostalgia. And holy crap, imagine if, you know, they had Madden and all, you know, like these mm -hmm. franchises. Even mm -hmm. the fact they're losing the FIFA brand, it's still like, that would be, I think, a, that would be a real smart move from the, from their perspective because it doesn't sound like EA is all that expensive right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mike, what, you want to weigh in on this one? Yeah, I was thinking when he when Jenner was telling talking about all the MMOs that they're in the development or what they're doing, I'm just kind of thinking like, why are they going into that niche of MMOs? Because MMOs in the past there there was very few compared to what there is today. Right now, mm -hmm. there's just a dime a dozen. There just there's so many MMOs that are out there. You know, Ash of Creations is coming out later. Like, there's just so many new MMOs constantly coming, and then the the ones that have been out for eight, nine, ten years are constantly still developing and, and still growing and i'm thinking maybe amazon if they want to make some moves maybe they go for that niche market of mmos because like lost ark is very popular new world is very popular and you got to look at the overlap are the people that are because if you play an mmo you're you're no lifing it basically you know what i mean like you live in that world and maybe that genre doesn't mmos in general don't in, intrigue some but some like the the the, the lore in New World. Some like the lore in Lost Ark. Some like the, the lore in Lord of the Rings, right? So they're they're constantly making these different MMOs. And if they kind of com like combine it with Amazon Prime or if they make an Amazon Prime gaming where you can pay a monthly fee and you have access like a Game Pass to all of their MMOs that you can find, uh, they don't care which one you pick. Right. They just want you in there because they want you to pay for the microtransactions or the battle passes or the cosmetics, whatever they want. And they want to find that one, uh, you know, captain in chat's like, why do I care about MMOs? You don't, but there might be one out there that all of a sudden they come out with the Transformers MMO and Amazon has got that. Or if they come out yeah. with a, a Lord of the Rings one, someone's like, I like Lord of the Rings. And they all of a sudden, I don't, I don't like uh, Elder Scrolls online, but I do like Lord of the Rings, and then someone jumps into that. So I can see them doing something along the lines of making five, six different types of MMOs, not the same, but, right. you know, different genres. You want, you want different. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. why their other MMO they're working on is, like, apparently a, a futuristic, you know, sci-fi right. MMO. Whether that means, who knows what that means. Like, does that mean shooter? Does that mean, you know, like, you know, still fantasy, but said in the sci-fi kind of setting? I have no idea. We haven't, we'll have to, it has remains to be seen, but. Right. And then yeah. you, you look at New World, they're not charging a monthly fee for that. No. You pay, you pay for it once and then you just, it's like, you're like, what? It's an MMO and you, you don't have to pay a monthly fee, you know, right. that, that type of thing. And there's other MMOs changing that, that path. Like you're still paying, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't pay for it on, I, I used to pay for Elder Scrolls Online when it was on Mac. And then when it came to console, uh, I just bought it, and then I don't think they charge anymore for it, right? So now it's part of Game Pass, and so now you're not charging for it at all. Now you get the uh, extra uh, bag slots, or you want to do the the season passes, or whatever they have. So that that game model going forward, I see Amazon just by what you information that you just gave us. I I, I can see them moving in that kind of direction of hey, well, we can't keep up with Xbox and PlayStation. We're the new kid on the block, so let's pick something that we can do, and then kind of get our way into there and then if they do happen to buy an ea i mean that's all the sports games basically you know what i mean that's the well, contract ea yeah. also has star wars knights of the old republic as an mmo uh ea also has apex legends which is the uh, which battle royale like and then all of a sudden you start to think about like what would that you know what would that one you know 
prime game and stuff. Battlefield series. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden it's like, does that opt in you into like battle passes and all the, the, the stuff for one low recurring cost? And then all of a sudden it becomes where it's like, why wouldn't you have this as its own, you know, standalone right. offering? Now, right now it's baked into Amazon Prime. And one of the two things they could do is they just either increase the, the price of Amazon Prime and, and cover, you know, all of that. And, and or you know offer it as a separate you know kind of function but they i like that the way that you do that is with content you have to have content and content is king go ahead man but i thought you were raising i thought lono was raising his hand it's like oh, oh yeah i was adjusting my <laughs> i was adjusting my microphone that'd be really funny if we did that we just you have to hold your hand up to go next i was typing in chat i couldn't i couldn't ignore the idea somebody said a transformers mmo and i was like oh can you imagine you know picking your class like do you want to be air land or beast i've been been talking about a transformers game for like four years now lono it's it seems that seems like a dunker because it it seems limitless with all the things you could add to your transformer and you know what what kind do you want to build and you'd get really really far with one type and be like well now i want to start over and be a land beast transformer instead of an air you know you know mechanical or air vehicle transformer in any case i actually after playing new world i remember saying i think the casual mmo will see a huge resurgence going forward because Mm -hmm. the generation that played and cut our teeth on everquest and world of warcraft we're all a little bit too busy now to play the way that we played back then i didn't but i lost friends you know i lost friends to everquest you know (laughs) 16 hours a day and you know barely getting to school on time and uh, you know, they obviously made fun of it in South Park. And I, I think that generation is now like, man, I'd love to play an MMO, but I got kids and they got baseball and I got work. And I da, yep. da, da, da. so I think the rise of the casual MMO will continue because you could engage with New World very casually. And I yeah. think one of the reasons they suffered player deficit was twofold. I think they got hit from both ends of the spectrum. I think the end game wasn't fleshed out. So the hardcore people fizzled out. But I also think the PvP and the territory control shoved the casuals right out of the game. They're like, I don't like this. This is too, you know, this controls too much of my experience. That's one of my concerns about Ashes of Creation. Yeah. And so I think that's the recipe that if somebody can figure that out, how to, I I hate to invoke the game, but I'm going to. How can we pull off what Destiny pulled off where you have these weird, ravenous, hardcore people playing what amounts to a very casual game, a very accessible game. Destiny has nothing in it that is particularly uh, hardcore, and yet it's treated extremely hardcore by a portion of its user base, but also you have you know, very busy college students and moms and dads coming home and just casually playing that game, doing a couple bounties, doing a couple of this, and then shutting yeah. it off. How can you do that? If a giant MMO could pull that off, which I think New World could, like I remember that was yeah. one of the things I said about New World when I played it. I said, guys, I feel like they're appealing to both sides. That's huge. That's a big deal. That's the recipe. And if Amazon can figure that out, maybe apply what they learned from New World, that MMO would take over. It's one of the reasons I've said a Fortnite MMO would take over the dadgum world because it's on every platform, super agile engine, and it would do that. It'd be very casual and fun, but you could really take it serious and go hardcore if they built it right. Yeah, I uh, Fortnite MMO would be really interesting because we were uh, debating that um, just the other day with a comic story and on my podcast uh, talking about is Fortnite an MMO? And it's like by the definition, just massively multiplayer 
yeah, yeah. like you know like it absolutely is but then if they imagine that they then brought in that other aspect to it as a mode honestly i'd have to try i'd absolutely have to try it out i think that'd be kind of absolutely thrilling but the um it's inter- it's gonna be interesting to see how uh, how the next kind of five years play out because we still don't have a, any kind of release window for ashes of creation and uh and already like there there's two factions forming like this is going to be bad versus this is going to save the genre and uh we'll have to see who ultimately kind of wins i think it's probably going to fall somewhere between uh the two and I'm, I'm absolutely rooting for it but we have some other really exciting stuff here on the horizon as well i think to answer your question lona that you kind of proposed with like how does that get with destiny i think it actually comes down to drop in and drop out multiplayer like right now even with new world one of its challenges is what server are you on and then if you're on a populated server you're having a premier experience but if you're on a low pop server like that's an issue and then you have to like kind of transfer and do all this like if you were just like i'm popping in hey my friends are on hey we're gonna we're gonna do this like that as much as people argue for like the old school you know everquest slog fest grind mm-hmm. i think ultimately people just want that accessibility and that kind of ties it right back to our first topic i was like people navigate to the easy not that it's it has to be an easy game it's an accessible game it's something that you can jump into um and that's the same thing with me like every time i sit down to play like at night before i'm kind of you know going to bed i I grab my steam deck you know what i play i play multiverses because it's easy to get in would i play 14 on it yeah i would but i have to go get my key fob i got to do all this it's like it ends up being like oh man do i really want like no 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 i just i just want to play for a little bit and i could yes go remove my key fob from my account but like I just there's things I'm like I don't I shouldn't have to do that I should only be like be asked for my key fob password if I'm trying to delete my character or something like just let me in like I you know, I'm already authenticated on the right. platform let's go so the less very the less questions uh, and this is something that I think tech industries and all this stuff has had the less times you have to ask somebody to do something the easier it becomes that's how these mobile games have exploded with such monetary practices is that they figured out a way to make it to where it's like, yeah, like you already, yeah, you already got your credit card in. We'll stop asking you if you, are you sure you want to make this purchase? We're going to remove every little barrier that we can. And gamers are going to flock that way because we're busy. You know, maybe you got kids, maybe you got lives, you got all kinds of stuff going on. And yeah, sometimes you just want to sit down and play. And I I did this one handed, like I was so frustrated because I sat down to play Forza and it had like a, like a 45 minute update. I was like, well, I'm not playing Forza. You know, like I only had 15 minutes. I was like, I'm just going to jump in, do a race, have some fun. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm not doing that now. Huh. And then, you know, it's gotten easier on an Xbox Series X. But still, I was like, yeah, stop, get, stop getting in my way. Like whatever makes it easy for me to enjoy these games. Mike, do you have any more thoughts on that before we move to your your subject for the day? No, no I'm all good with that one. Well, I want to hear about this because we were running a story on this this week. You know, while the sudden was Redfall and Starfield pulling out of Gamescom, and I was told it was an accident. I don't know how you write on your own official forum three or two different times accidentally, but they did, and then they just were literally not there at all. And then there's also the delays, and there's more and more games coming out saying, hey, by the way, we're getting kicked next year. Hogwarts even did that recently. So what what do you got for us, Mike? So the conversation I want to have, and I know a lot of people get up uh, antsy about this and stuff, but I, if you come to my podcast and stuff, I talk about this all the time, about games being delayed, and then people praise them for, for instance, like, uh, like Halo, right? Halo was delayed. It was supposed to be a year ago. It got delayed. It came out and still broken and buggy. 
glitches. It just it's a, it's a mess, right? The the diehards will be like, nah, it's it's a great game, and that's not the conversation, right? Uh, Marvel's Avengers, right? I played Marvel's Avengers. It was supposed to come out in May of 2020, and then it got pushed to uh, September, and then it came out, and then when it came out, it was broken, buggy, and incomplete, oh, and 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 stuff. Yeah. And that's another game. And then there's game after game, Cyberpunk. You can just keep going on and on and on about this, and. The, the debate I want to have or the talk I want to have is about delays themselves is Starfield, right? We just saw Starfield in June and someone says that there's nothing new to show. How do you not have anything new to show of a game that's been worked on for seven years and you showed a four minute clip of, of stuff that you don't have anything else of a thousand planets of all the solar systems and stuff that you're making in this game. You have nothing new to do the, to, to show the skills, the, the, the story, anything. And yet, Gamescom is one of the bigger shows out there that you want to advertise your game to say, hey, look, get psyched up. Now, this game was supposed to come out November. November 11th, it was supposed to come out. 11-11, okay? And yet, they don't show up to this thing. Yet, they 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 bring a giant robot that they put in the Gamescom, right? But they're not going to show anything there. And it's just kind of weird that you're going to put a booth and set up stuff and then not show anything. And this gets me thinking, like, there's going to be a problem. And of course, the Xbox fans and stuff. I'm not an Xbox fan. I'm a gamer, right? I'll, I'll mm -hmm. play games wherever I want, when I want. If I want to buy it, I buy it and I play it on the system I want to play. So I'm not picking sides here. I'm choosing against the industry of how they're delaying games. So they have things that come out and they they just look off, right? When we saw the trailer for, for Starfield, we're like, ah, it looks kind of rough. That gameplay looks a little rough. The shooting looks a little rough, right? Then you hear reports that there's they're having problems. Everyone's like, nah, nah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Then they don't show up. And now we're pushed into the next year. Like, so let's say it comes out. Let's say it comes out in March. Okay. What is what is it for you, Lono, and for you, Ginger, that if the game comes out broken buggy, like, are you just putting your hands up and going, eh, no big deal. I'm okay with it. Or you're like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of this where games get pushed back and delayed and i get they can get delayed and i'm okay with delays as long as your game comes out and it's finished right but then they get delayed and they get pushed and then they get pushed maybe one more time and then they come out six months eight months 12 months later saints row that's another story coming out it needs another six to eight to 12 months of of, of fixes to get that game where it should have been when it launched right and then just you can just name a game Name a game and it's a triple-A game. It comes out and they're just broken, and buggy, and unfinished. And we're like, ah, I'm, I'm glad it's delayed. And then when it comes out being delayed, all of a sudden it's not finished. It's still not. Cyberpunk is like the right. is also a really great example. Right. Battlefield oh, 2042 it, is another one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The um it's interesting because like obviously people come back to the like, hey, a delayed game, you know, is is better, but you know, like a rush game is gonna be awful forever. Um, that doesn't take into account the age of the internet and and how gamers act so like i see a lot especially in terms of games of service so like in in a single player game i absolutely 100 agree with you like it, it's it's so frustrating it annoys me greatly it's triple a like you know a, a bug here and there okay like that that's not a problem but like just unplayable like right. that is I think that's ultimately where they're like, we got to cut our losses. Like there's just no saving this or something like that. HR, like, Hey, the team, they quit. And you know, like the programmers left and now we're like, what's it going to take to get this finished? And then it ends up being something like that. But uh, in a single play, but in a uh, games of service online kind of game, I get the gamers will tell me they're fatigued. I get the gamers will say they're frustrated. I'll get the gamers will say like, they swear off of it. 
but that's just words. And when you look at the data, when you look at those gamers and when like I'd like the to actions, see the, yeah, the, the actions that like, why would the industry change when we ourselves as gamers, like individually, like somebody's like, I've never gone and played another game as a service game. Tip of you, you rare unicorn, you right. because actions in terms of it are, are, are communicating the exact opposite thing. So is there a point where, gamer frustrations tilt over and then their actions actually reflect the frustrations they vent online? Maybe, but I think we're so that that future is a far off fantasy at this point, just based off of how I see people perceive it. No matter how many times people tell me 14 sucks or destiny sucks or whatever insert game as a service game sucks. It's like a uh, new expansion gets announced, you know, yeah, they might've had a rough start right. or yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, right. It's like, oh, cool. Like, uh, is it, oh, I'm going to come check that out now. Even with the light ball, them not taking out, not taking out the uh, previous expansions anymore. Like people would come in and be like, oh, oh wait, now that was the thing that I was annoyed by. Now I'm going to come back and now I'm considering coming back and check it out. Even two weeks ago, they were like, I'll never play this game again. And now they're like, I'm back. Like you're so, when it, right. comes, down, when right. it comes down to it, it's like, I, I, I love you as, as a human being, but like, at least let's try to be like, let's try to call like, let's call spade a spade every which way. And just, just re acknowledge that our actions communicate to them that, that we're fine with this kind of setup. Despite if we vent online, we show them with our money and like, same thing with my frustrations with Nintendo. Nintendo sucks so bad, but I keep giving them money. So it's like, who's really to blame? I I uh, I do I do analogy all the time. I did it for Destiny for years. I, I said that Destiny because of the name. I said is is my hot stripper ex girlfriend, right? Like no matter what happens and what she does, you forgive her because she looks so good, right? And and, and it just it just plays really well. It brings you back in. So if she's a psycho or he's a psycho, whatever stripper you like out there, right? <laughs> right? If if they're if they have dad issues or mom issues. Right, all of a sudden you forget about it because they're like, "Hey, baby, what's going on?" And you're like, "Oh man, I missed you," and you and you come right back to it. You come right back to that game, no matter what problems are with the game or what to do. Like, I'm not angry at individual developers, right? I'm angry, and I am. I'm angry at the industry itself, the way it is. But the way you just spoke, maybe I shouldn't be angry at the at the industry. I should be angry you and you and you and everyone else because you're making the industry the way it is because they know they can get away with murder they can release a broken buggy game and still make that money without finishing a product right mm -hmm. i feel like that's changing a little bit i don't know if that's as this is as true as maybe it once was because cyberpunk did not do good things for CD Projekt Red that you know the no. share of the share value that they lost destroyed their goodwill yeah. yeah well and they lost tons of money with respect to their you know their their publicly traded share values just plummeted so I you know I don't know what Battlefield 2042 did and how much it lost however I just wonder if this has gotten to a scale to where there's too much money involved to have a bad to have a really really crappy bad launch and to be right. like, oh, well, well, we made a bunch of sales in the first week. So I, I'm not as fearful of that, I don't think, anymore. I think I'm fearful of the opposite thing. I'm fearful of the the industry is sort of shifted into... Gamers almost have an axiom now of gaming is my favorite hobby and I hate it. It's 
it's very bizarre if you interact with gamers on the internet it's it's it is both their favorite hobby and the thing they love to do and they seemingly also hate it very very much and don't want to spend any money that seems to also be uh, we were i was sort of ranting about this the other day with this i think completely joke of a lawsuit against sony in the uk claiming that you know they're overcharging customers and it's we're in this hard economic time right now and you know with inflation and i kind of said well isn't it miraculous that out of all of the complete luxury digital items of entertainment we can enjoy the one item that seems impervious and immune to inflation is gaming gaming is now more affordable than it ever has been when we were buying cartridges in the 90s for 50 to 70 dollars we were dropping basically according to today's standards as about 100 to 120 dollars per game and so with every passing year that game stays in the 60 to 70 dollar range we're actually spending less than we did in the past the games are getting bigger longer they last way longer play breath of the wild and then go play legend of zelda link to the past which i guess you can now do through nintendo online i think they just added that one see see the difference in size and substance and the fact that link to the past basically cost 100 to 120 dollars of today's money and you can buy breath of the wild for half that and it's interesting that that's like i'm more fearful of that that we're getting to a point where gaming is becoming this like hotbed of it's almost like an us versus them us versus the developers us versus the publishers and i just don't want a lot of these devs and publishers to look at the mobile market and say let's just go over there like we can make way more money over there you know it's yeah the fact that we still get triple a games and stuff like that i think is a miracle based off of just like how the mobile market prints money and also is less risk and less cost uh for making those games so it's like i think that just is a passion-driven uh, answer to the the fact that we still get these kind of big games but yeah it's just not to say that it, like you know it's not a struggle ultimately i think what like it's still for me my my view i'd love to know y'all thoughts is that over the course of a year like every in a given year it, it feels like we usually get like a, a couple of really good gems a couple of like eh, you know that, that wasn't bad and then a lot of you know, and a handful of stinkers like i think even back to my childhood it's like you know, I, I don't feel like there's ever been like a year that it's like every month there was just like this insane, you know, like this, you know, mind blowing, you know, triple A, right, you know, right. 10 out of 10 experience. But I mean, maybe I'm misremembering. What do you guys think? Are there like, do you feel like there's more worse games or there's there? Because like, I feel like we do get more games, but I think I, from a ratio, I just see it as like, yeah, we get, a, we get a handful of really great ones. And then the rest of them are, you know, like that's why we have a rating scale, you know? Well, I don't think we get less or more crappy games. I think we get about the exact same. I think there's a percentage of games that come out because uh, I remember as a kid playing a lot of Nintendo games that were just awful, awful games. But I didn't know they were awful until I was older and then went back and played those games. When I was a kid and played those games, you didn't look at it and go, it was awful unless you played E.T. or like, you know, you you knew that game was bad. You're like, "Eh, that's a bad game, right? But there's a lot of games that you played on the Nintendo or the Sega Genesis or the Neo Geo, and you were like, man, these are great games back then. But then you look at them and go, man, that was a really bad game. Now you look at it, and I think we're more, because I like having a, a an eight-year-old, right? Because I play a game, and I try to keep my, my internal thoughts to myself if I like a game or don't like a game, because I don't want to skew him on what he is going to like or not like, right? And I see it through the eyes of him, even going to Disney World. Seeing the eyes through an eight-year-old is completely different than seeing it through myself so when i get angry at a game and i look at it I, I i give it to my son and i let him start playing it 
And I'm like, what do you think of it? And he starts playing and he's like, oh, I like it. It does this. And I start to look at it through his point of view and go, ah, okay, so maybe I'm being over too overcritical. But then there's those games that are AAA, like the Cyberpunks, like the Starfield that's coming out, where they predict it or uh, market it to you like it's the next greatest God-given game, like a Grand Theft Auto V, and then it comes out and it just falls flat on your face. And then I'm being too hard on it because of what they promise you know what i mean and it's just a, it's just a bad game there's bad games but i think there's more bad games in the past because there's literally games you couldn't even beat because they didn't even finish <laughs> the game right there's a there's a great youtube channel if you guys never heard of the uh uh the angry gamer <clears throat> the uh or angry nerd uh ang yeah angry no it's the angry gamer he uh he goes over some of the old games in history and you're just like really there was no ending to that game yeah there's no ending to that game because they just made it super hard so you would never pass that board because if you pass that board, there was no other part of the game, right? So I don't think they're making games like that now because every game I've played, I've beaten. I've, I've seen the credits roll, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think there's more broken games in the past. I just think they're more prevalent now because Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and there's so many eyeballs on it where back in the day, you didn't know a game was broke because you had to wait for Nintendo Power to, to come out to tell you if the game was bad or good or, or, or whatnot, so. Yeah, I feel like I rented a lot of really bad Super Nintendo games and Nintendo 64 games. And I felt like the good ones sure. were really spread out. The really good games. The the bangers, the one that we all look back and we remember. I, I think we remember between 5 and 10 really good titles per Nintendo. Like per console. Right. The regular, the Super, and the 64. Mm -hmm. We probably yeah. remember between 5 and 10 really amazing ones. And even the best of the best... They don't have the substance and the size of what we get today. I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, because I remember somebody saying, well, you can't really compare The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and, and you know, Link to the Past. I'm like, okay, well, compare it to Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. Like, they just, they pale in comparison. They're a fraction of the game we get today. And, you know, people in chat saying, oh, AAA is going into the toilet. I, I don't know. It feels 50-50 to me. I, I think yeah. there's AAA games that are coming out that blow the hair off my head, and then there are AAA games that come out, and I'm like, what the frick did you guys do? How did this even happen? Yeah. It, it, it feels very much split down the middle, which it's easy to focus on the negative ones, especially if you aren't getting to enjoy sure. you know, the ones that are good. Maybe you can't play them, or maybe you don't like them. They're not your cup of tea, you know, if the latest ones that have been coming out that don't really scratch that itch. Well, a lot of the AAA games that come out, I, I look at it from a from a movie perspective. Like blockbuster games, AAA games are like blockbuster movies. And uh, if a studio like MGM came out with ten movies a year, one movie is going to be a blockbuster. Two movies are going to break just a little bit more money than they brought than they they used. And then seven movies are going to be complete and utter wastes of money, right? But the three movies that made profit make up for all the other seven movies that they released that didn't make money, right? Mm. For instance, Sony made a crap ton of money with Spider-Man, but the other Sony movies that came out were bad, like Morbius, right? There's there's a counter there's a counter one to to everyone. So with video games, a AAA like EA, when they have uh, ten games coming out they might have a couple stinkers in there but then you might get that one from jedi fallen order right when it comes out and you're like oh that's a great game right that's a good game that's a that's mm -hmm. a good game but then you look at battlefield 2042 and you're like that's a crappy game that's a really bad game and i think we get more i think we're more vocal now because when we were kids you didn't spend 67 dollars on those games your parents did right so you weren't really vocal because you didn't really know what money value was compared to the actual thing you just know your time was wasted if it was a bad game now you're an adult 
or a young adult and you're spending your hard-earned money on games and they come out broken buggy and you're like what the hell man and it starts to starts to chop you down a little bit you know what i mean for each each of the games you buy hence why game pass is so so accessible now it's also yeah. a lot more memorable when a big title comes out and is terrible. Like, we were watching all the Gamescom stuff this week, and, I mean, these are all the indie titles that I wrote down. Like, it's a whole page, and I, I thought I might have even missed some, right? And people are like, well, where were all the big AAAs? It's like, well, there's only so many that are going to come out in a given year, and obviously they can't constantly be talking about them. There's there's a marketing right. strategy and not saying something every dadgum week about god of war or starfield or hogwarts like they got to spread it out a little bit but i do think when the, when the big triple a's are happening in fewer numbers and like indies i honestly think they're getting more traction in the industry i do i think they're getting more trust from gamers because you have games like death's door that sold like gangbusters you had cult of the lamb recently that came out and sort of took the world by storm huge commercial success you know massive numbers for them and valheim valheim last year valheim tunic there's a lot of games that have seen massive commercial success with really small teams and i think gamers are starting to say what what there's not really a reason to be anti-indie like today i had a couple people kind of poo-pooing us doing the awesome indie showcase you know is there like ooh indies gross it's like i don't know man they're kind of they're kind of kicking the crap out of the triple A's right now. They're they're showing mm-hmm. up more often. They're they're proving you can make stellar games with small teams. Timesia. Timesia just recently came out. Wonderful Souls game, small team indie game and very excellent. And I don't know. I think they're we're we're getting it's almost like a market equilibrium that is happening. And this is where my confidence in gaming is still well in place in that Seems to be a lot of hungry devs, a lot of hungry companies willing to make excellence, and then they get noticed, and then that's hopefully then when the money and the sequels can can improve. But I think gaming does have a bright future. I just don't think it's going to look like it traditionally did, where you have all the big tent poles every year: Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, FIFA, Madden, and then everybody else is like trying to pick up table scraps. I do feel like it's getting spread out a little bit more. Yeah, I wonder how uh, games as a service. Uh, will impact some of these temple games, uh, especially like when you talk about like FIFA and Madden and things like that. It's like, why aren't those just a service-based game anyway? Like you're already, you're just reselling right. the, you know, the same roster game. update. Yeah, yeah, you're selling a roster update every year. Uh, you know, so I wonder how like that might impact overall kind of these temples and you know in terms of it. And it'll be interesting to see because we know Sony's making moves. Sony wants to have many of these kind of service-based games. Uh, and maybe that maybe we just kind of enter into that era or maybe even nightmare for <laughs> depending on your worldview for the game itself. But um, it's going to be interesting. Like, I'm not I'm not worried, actually, about the future, because as long as you have passion and people who want to pour that in, like, I think the fact that the indies are being so successful it, it, in a way, like it kind of makes sense, because all of a sudden when you start having to make, you know, a team of 500, 600 people like there's so much extra coordination and extra time that's needed you know and it's hard like especially over the course of years and years where like an indie team it's like oh yeah let's talk about it oh that sounds fun okay let's do it and we don't have to worry about you know going through like some kind of established lore like i've often said that i like when i've seen the problems with world of warcraft it's like when you listen to the devs like they want to make a good game but it's like it feels like they're stuck in all this arbitration and all this like somebody made a decision 15 years ago and 
that's why we you know we're struggling to kind of try to get this thing made right so it's like with an indie it's like yeah like there's no expectation that's one of the things like you look at the struggles with halo like like i was remember getting an argument on twitter like somebody was like no halo's got to go back to its roots it's like yes and no like we cannot sit here and say that you can release halo 1 or halo 2 today just with updated graphics and expect it to perform you know it's like there are things that you have to account in that the market's changed expectations have changed how do you adapt while at the same time trying to remain true right but you can come out with Splitgate and there's no like, you know, nostalgic history of like, that's not, that's not a part of this, this game. That's like, what are they doing? You know? So like, there's also that level of freedom outside of the size and scale and in a way agility that an indie company can bring to a game where they can find the fun and then they can lean into that. And there's not this expectation that this game is going to be the game, you know, to end all games for people. I, I said yesterday on my on my podcast, I said that I think Embracer Group buying up all these other companies, I, I, I kind of gave the analogy. I, I feel like they're like the the uh, the minor leagues to the, the bigger companies. Like they're buying up all these little small indie, de- indie devs, right? And then yeah. there's other bigger devs as well, but they're, they're buying them up. And I feel like it's like an incubator. They're going to let them make their games and do what they th- want. And then all of a sudden, like Microsoft, the big leagues, Sony, Microsoft... Uh, Amazon's the expansion team that's coming into the major leagues. They're they're looking to pick up people, and they're going to pick. And Embracer Group will just sell those off because they have so many companies. I read the thing; it was like 120 companies with 230 games in the development, with 850 IPs, and it's just like holy Christ, that's a lot of a lot of games coming out of one one umbrella, right? And then yeah. their their first AAA game since they bought them is Saints Row, <laughs> and it just rock bottoms. It completely ruins their stock. Yeah, Saints Row. I had people saying they felt bad. I'm like, why? Why do you feel bad for Saints Row? (laughs) I don't feel bad. Like, they knew the game was bad, and they launched it anyway. And the funny thing was, I mean, people were concerned about that game from super early on. I just, I don't know. I think it's a cautionary tale. These games that want to, it's like they want to change the fabric of the game. And it's like, well, who are you making that for? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you've, if, We've always talked about that, right? With an established franchise, the minute you decide to completely reinvent it, you're you're taking a massive risk because you're hoping you're going to get all these new people that care when your loyalists are, are going to clearly be annoyed by the way that game was received. It just did not do well. I mean, a day, a day after launch, I mean, it was eviscerated and sort of over. I knew that game was going to be a trash fire the first frame I saw of it months ago. I was like, yeah, no, or a year ago. I was like, yeah, no, I'm staying away from that. That, Skull and Bones. And and now with the delay of uh, Starfield, I'm a little worried about Starfield. I know a lot of people are not. They're going to say it's going to be a great game, but I'm a little worried about Starfield. You know what I'm worried about with Starfield? I think that Bethesda is going to be blamed for stuff that is out of their control. Like, I honestly believe at this point in time that that game is going to get pretty bad press i think it's going to run really poor on the series s and i think it's going to have performance issues and bugs and i think a lot of that's going to have to do with the acquisition i think that game everything about that game something's off something's weird there's something going on underneath the surface and i think it's it adds a lot of credence to the fact that you know there were rumors it was going to be a timed exclusive for the ps5 if that's true then the acquisition of bethesda 
put that game on a really, really bad path, and everyone's going to say it's their fault. It's Bethesda's fault. Bug Bethesda. They won't look at Microsoft. They won't look at the inferior, the, the inferior nature of the Series S. It'll all be Bethesda's fault. Like if you try to talk about Halo. Right. Right. And you get people to concede it's bad. They just blame three four three. It has nothing to do with Microsoft and their contract policies and and how that really hurt three four three's ability to create a game. It's 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 it. I don't know. I told people today. I was like, you got to take your fandom hat off and you got to you got to think about things from other angles here. And I yeah. I am more worried about Starfield because of the acquisition and what it probably did to their their efficiency and their their bandwidth and their plans. Sure. Yeah. The. That the problem the problem I see with Starfield is that uh, I read an article last week or two weeks ago. Like the diehard fans are the modders, right? Modders love Bethesda because they get to make the game better, right? Yeah, and they the, do, right? And the modders literally had a, a report that they had a roadmap already. They're like, we're ready for Starfield to come out and fix all the problems with it. They are the are the are the fans of the game, and they already know that that game is going to have way more bugs and, and problems because they know bethesda and they're banking on it they're like well we're, we're gonna cover them and it's just funny to me because that's what you have to right as a fan of bethesda you have to wait for the modders to fix the game faster than the actual developers do when they release it it's, it's unfortunate they can't like take them out beforehand yeah. like all right they don't want to pay them here they yeah. don't want to pay them well, and I mean, it, 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 I was going to type to Cujo. I'll just say something to Cujo. He says, they've owned Bethesda for a year. If Starfield's a mess, it's on Bethesda. Yeah, see, already primed and ready to be like, it's all Bethesda's fault. Imagine a, a, a four, five, maybe six-year project getting purchased when you're in your final year. You're on the runway. You're ready to deliver the product, and it's going to be a PS5 timed exclusive. Let's just imagine that that's true, that that's what Starfield had its sights set on. Imagine getting purchased in that final year. And being like, uh, we have to completely change where this game lands, and we have to optimize it for a system we were never even considering. They, how many systems did they build? How many graphical ideas did they have that were never, ever considering the Series S? Like, th- th- blaming Bethesda well, for that is just, it's laughable. It works both ways, though, Lana. Remember, I, I know it's, a, it's an off-topic here, but Destiny did the same thing. Anytime Destiny did anything wrong... Bungie never got the blame for anything. It was always, well, it's Activision. It's oh, Activision, it, it was yeah. it was because of Microsoft before they before they made it, and then oh, it was Activision's problem. And then, and then when they went on their own, they're like, well, Activision holds the cards here still. And then now Sony owns them, and then, and Sony will probably get the blame for for the new stuff that comes out for for that. It, it works both ways, right? It's just the fans. If you talk bad about Sony, the 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 Xbox fans get on your balls, and at the Xbox, you know, it's vice versa. It's the same thing, right? The people will get on and say, "Well, it's Bethesda's fault," and the other same people will go, "Oh, well, it's 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 the other company's fault, not not Bungie's fault." It's you can't win. You can't win with these kind of conversations. It's always it's always that way. Well, and to be clear, I'm not preemptively defending Bethesda. Like oh, I'm sure, sure I'm sure the engine is part of the problem. They insist on using Creation Engine, which there's good and bad that comes with the Creation Engine. It's very moddable. Modders talk about why they think, yeah, it makes sense to continue using it. It's a very good engine. So I'm not going to sit here and act like some of the problems that we, we see in Starfield when it launches, that none of that's Bethesda's fault. But everything that's happening right now, man, where there is smoke, there is fire. Something exactly. is wrong. Something's yep. wrong. And that, to me, to to have all the hype, all the buildup, they had all that stuff recorded, all, all, this, all this talk, the date set in ink, 
and then all of a sudden now we've got a delay you pull out of gamescom we're not hearing anything we're not seeing anything even the gameplay they debuted had performance issues in the actual debut video which is staggering to me i don't know if i've ever in all the years i've covered reveals watched a video and been like there's pop in in the video there's performance issues other than sonic frontiers that might have been one of the first games i ever covered where (laughs) this is your debut gameplay and there's pop in in the dadgum video what the what the frick is going on like you can fully render everything and hide all the rough edges like what are y'all doing and here comes starfield they did the same thing this isn't me being a hater it's like this is concerning like what in the world's going on with this game because i want the game to be awesome i was i've been excited about this game from moment one yeah, I think that's the thing. We're all kind of rooting for it. Like, we want it to be good. Um, and I hope that the extra time that they're they're given uh, pans out, right? Like, that's that's all we can hope for. But game making at this scale, man, like, anything can go wrong. There's going to be, you know, there's always going to be things that could that can throw a wrench into it. And so it's going to be, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, if it, you know, if they land it and they stick the landing, people are going to come off and, you know, the Xbox fans are going to be like, see, you know, like, yeah, this was absolutely right. Uh, and then if, if it doesn't, you know, make sense. One of the things when Xbox was, uh, you know, acquiring, you know, Bethesda, all of a sudden it's like I saw so many Sony fans that were like, oh, yeah, those games, all those games suck anyway. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, you go look at right. your history. It's like, yeah, you've got so many <laughs> achievements and you're like, oh, and it's like, all right, I don't care. I, I just wanted to be, I hope yeah. it's a good game. I'm, you know, it's on Game Pass, so like, it cost me. You know, already what it cost me. I think that, it actually is going to cost them more because I'm sure that's going to cut into Game Pass sales and resubs and stuff like that for the holiday window that they missed. That reminds me of like being in high school and you're like, oh man, I really like that girl, and the, the girl's like, oh, she, I heard she's bad. yeah, I didn't really like her anyway, right? That's 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 how it feels <laughs> like when. You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and that that's so on the nose because if this if Starfield is amazing and gets tons of great reviews. All these guys that have been getting on my nose, they're going to be like, see, what a win for Xbox. They're not going to say jack squat about Bethesda. They're not going to celebrate Bethesda. They're not going to talk about how great a developer Bethesda Bethesda is. It's going to be a win for Xbox. But if this game sucks balls and runs like (laughs) trash on the Series S, well, that's all Bethesda's fault. That's on Bethesda. times the trash, right? Yeah, it's it's such, it's, I don't know. I find the whole thing tiring because it's like, I just want games to be good. And when they're bad... I want to figure out what the frick happened. Like cyberpunk, I, I'm not interested in calling them liars and frauds. I want to figure out what happened. I don't. I don't care. I'm like, I don't have an allegiance here. People say I hate on cyberpunk. What, what do you mean cyberpunk's on every platform? That, that, that game is bad and incredibly disappointing. And they're gonna quietly kill it right now. It's happening. Final DLC. Yeah. No more. They're just gonna let it drift off into the sunset, and then they're gonna start hyping up Witcher Four because I think they're gonna bring cyberpunk back. As, as a different oh, property new- ported or whatever like I think they're going to build either a new cyberpunk game or something in the, on the Unreal Engine and they're going to let the Red Engine version die it's just like goodbye good good, good riddance to that game and Witcher 4 will be how they buy their time to do it I think I, I, I would be lying as a, as a content creator right like I'm a gamer and I don't want any game to suck I don't but as a content creator when I talk about and I see a game that's going to look looks like it's bad I want that game to be bad because it makes me make me bright because i was like that looks bad and i want to talk more about it why why it's bad right i don't want to say it's bad because i want it to be bad i want the games to be good i want all games to be good because i want to play those games but then i look at them i'm like 
yeah, this is a bad game. This is this is yeah. a bad game. I told you it was gonna be a bad game. Skull and Bone, it's gonna be a bad game. Don't play it. The amount of people who just like just tried to dunk on me for Cyberpunk. And I was like, hey guy, and my thing is like, guys, this isn't good. And it's life and life will go on. It will be okay. Right. And the people who hadn't played it yet, like, you're just a hater. <laughs> and I'm like, no, like I'm I'm not. I, I like I, I want this to be a good game, but y'all have made it so that like it's like in a way like i'm challenging almost like your the core of who you are like i'm insulting you like no right. no, no, no you got to yeah. disconnect yourself from this belief in this in this one game but it's like i can i actually should probably go back and read those comments for a video because it would probably be so so funny because i was like i'm i'm not i'm not being somebody's just hating on this like <laughs> right you're telling facts of facts just, of actually what's what's right. going on with you. hey guys uh the sky is blue you're a moron yeah, I, I find that people try to put you into the narrow the narrow thought patterns and the narrow categories that they use. Like, that's how they view everything. They view everything through the lens of fanboyism, hater, or fanboy. like, And so they just expect you to be in that category. And it's like, brother, I have every possible platform. I want yeah. every game to be amazing because I love playing video games. I don't relish in a game being bad. I don't get excited. Like, when I tell people that... I felt like Hogwarts was going to get delayed. It was just a gut instinct, and it got delayed. Yeah. That didn't make me happy. I, you know, obviously, I was like, "Well, got another one right," but I wasn't like, "Yeah, I got another it, one right." I was like, exactly "Ah, this right. sucks." Exactly. Like, yeah. I was like, "Hogwarts was going to be perfect for Christmas." Dad, gummit! Mm-hmm. I, I hate being right about this kind of stuff sometimes. <laughs> yeah, somebody told me not to get too excited. I was, I was just telling what i was seeing on screen i was like i was like oh the dark arts i was like that seems really interesting and stuff and they're like seems like you're really overhyping this game and you really i'm like i'm what do you what do you want me to do i was like i'm talking about the game do you want me to talk monotone and be like this game looks really great yeah <laughs> can't can't wait to, Sometimes I, I, that i'm works on i'm some on youtubers right. some youtubers are like hello today yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be looking at i'm just talking about the game, game. yeah Don't you just said start a channel to. Start a channel yeah. called the Comatose Gamer and just literally oh, be like, yeah. just absolutely monotone the whole time. All oh, right, guys, we're taking a look at the uh, the MMO today. Uh, yeah. Ash of Creation. Let's you'll, let's take a look. You'll accidentally yeah, blow up in the ASMR uh, category. Yeah. They'll be like, this guy's got a great voice. This is very nice. <laughs> I hope that you guys are having so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> or or I hope that you're not having fun. Whichever, like, just be totally neutral yeah. all the time. Yeah. I, I don't want to offend anybody. I just want to just want to make sure everyone's on the same page. That's all. Yeah. I personally that you are both happy and devastated <laughs> by the same. words that are coming out of my mouth. I try to see the good in it. I mean, it, it means people are passionate, and that's good for us. Like, if we want to create content, if we want to be in yeah. this world and have it be working, we we want we want people to be this diehard. We want people to be this this emotional. It, it, it can it can be a little exhausting. It can be a little exhausting, but. But I, I, I try to see the good in it, and I think th- there's a couple of things maybe we could talk about in the after show, because a lot of passion's already... Let, let's, let's actually save this for the after show. I'm going to whet everybody's appetite. I'm going I'm to really try to make you want to spend some money on my channel. I want to <laughs> talk about the PS5 price hike with you guys. I want to talk right, about that. Right. But we're kicking that to the after show. So before we after, go to the after show... Monotone voices, though. Monotone yeah. voices. Yeah. I really hope not. I really hope we don't do the monotone voice. Did you already buy a PlayStation 5? So excited no. about PlayStation. Sucks to be you. I, feel, this, I start to feel like I'm in a Doctor Who episode. Like, I don't know how to 
It's like I've interacting with aliens. Uh, <laughs> while I'm getting the after show set up, why don't you guys tell them about your content, where they can find you? Mike, where's the best place to find your content? You can find me on youtube.com slash 30 and still gaming. Uh, I hope I'm not too excited about this. Uh, you can find me Monday <laughs> through Thursday uh, from uh, 10 o'clock in the morning till noon Eastern. I have a schedule change. Uh, for the daily grind to go over news stories and have conversations. Uh, and then nighttime, uh, Monday through Thursday, 8 o'clock, uh, we do 30 plays and we play different games uh, and whatnot. And we also do a podcast on Thursday nights called Generation X Gaming, which is a weekly podcast that goes over a few of the top stories from the past week and we rant uh, along the way. Uh, join me and Sarge on Monday. We're at 324 episodes now. So, And Ginger, what do you got? I come over to Ginger Prime, hang out there. I've got links to all of my channels, so I like to cover MMO uh, RPGs. Uh, so I have a kind of Final Fantasy 14 focus channel, a New World focus channel, a Blue Protocol focus channel, and then over on Prime, I'm talking right now a lot about multiverses, kind of debating if I want to start putting out some character guides and things like that. Really enjoying that. Um, stepping back, obviously, into the new season of Destiny as well. Um, that's that's a game that I like to just like you know tiptoe into every now and then, and, and just wait till the next expansion for lightfall so that's gonna be really cool and uh yeah that's the best place and if you are ever interested in hanging out friday nights over on twitch you can be in discord you don't even have to go over to purple if you don't want to support them um but i stream uh pretty much from 4 p.m central until i'm tired and we play new world as a community so come hang out discord you don't even have to be on our server uh we just like to sit here talk and i like to practice my stand-up comedy um which actually is going real well so i just actually was featured on a showcase just yesterday I uh, killed it, and so I'm really enjoying uh, being a, uh, actually a working uh, stand-up comic, so that's fun. So, yeah, come hang out. You might hear some dirty jokes. I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome. Guys, if you're in the chat right now, you might have an, a chance to get into the after show. Sven has gifted some memberships. Click on those in chat and say allow gifts. We'll give you a few minutes to snag those. It is a little bit slower. YouTube changed something with gifted, so they take a little bit longer. Sometimes they actually get emailed to extremely loyal viewers. So the more you're here, the more you watch, the greater chance you can get those. Don't forget, here on Reforge Gaming, we do members content all the time. We're about to go to members-only content, but tonight, Friday night, is Community Game Night. We're going to be playing Jackbox, and you do not... You do not need to install it. You can play on anything. You just need access to a web browser. So make sure you're here tonight. If you are a member, get in the Discord. There's links below in the description of all of our streams to get into the Discord. YouTube is not so hot about telling you about members-only content. So that's why the Discord's a great choice. So I'm going to put a link in chat as well if you want to come with us. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast elsewhere, the obviously is coming to a close. You can catch us Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, Reforge Gaming on YouTube. We appreciate all the support of the channel. And uh, if you want to become a member on the channel, you can watch this after show that I'm going to start right now. Hey, it's the after show of the roundtable, and we got a spicy one for you. I want to talk about the PS5 price hike with these guys. We didn't include it in the roundtable because it would have been too many subjects for one show. We don't want to do that like almost smorgasbord. We did a little bit of a free-for-all at the end of that episode, so if you want to go watch the latest episode of the Reforge roundtable where we discussed exclusives, delays, game quality, uh, MMOs. What is Amazon Gaming doing? There was a lot there between myself, Ginger, and 30, so make sure and check that out. I am going to end the previous stream and bring everybody over through Redirect that is a member into the members-only Reforge roundtable after show, and then we'll be able to get started with this discussion.